welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that's not about perfection. It's about purposeful progression. We are trading out feelings of discontent, anxiety, fear, and defeat for joy, peace, freedom, and hope. If you are returning, welcome back. Always so glad that you came back. But if you are new, don't worry. I think you'll get plenty from this, but you also may want to go back and listen to some previous episodes, particularly for season two, because we are focusing, at least right now, (laughs) on the concept that God gave me about writing your story. And, And I'm trying to find words that really best sum it up in the best way. And that's like, instead of letting life happen to us, we are kind of designing our life the way we think it should be, that at the end of our time here on earth, we can look back and go, yes, I lived the life that I wanted to live, but also I lived the life that God intended me to live. So we are kind of breaking down different parts. We started with spiritual, we've done healthy, And I know this one's taken me a little bit. It kind of became a little bit more of a struggle than I thought because I was originally just kind of kind of lump relationships all together. But then it kind of became a conviction of, no, actually, this has to be separated out. And community is where I basically was led to start as far as relationships go. And boy, has God really poured into me on this one, you know, It'd be like, you know, go go to church um, and there's the sermon about kind of your, your community. Talk to a friend. She's like, hey, I'm reading this book. What is it? Oh, it's Find Your People. And I'm like, I, should, I'm, I guess I'll read that. And um, it, it was, you know, pick up a book and so forth. That I think it did around this time, you know, I, I know I talked about it, but I was reading The Daniel Plan. Um, a book I'd had on my shelf for a long time, but it really emphasized how extremely important and I know this, but how much we need to rely on another person when we're, we're making those kinds of changes and so forth. And um, it just kind of unfolded from there. But I'm a very independent person, I, I guess I would say. Uh, I guess I'm sort of introverted. I'm, I'm probably happier like in my quiet papa self or with my husband or just my family or something like that. I'm very I bristle at the thought of drama and I just don't tend to like to rely on other people. But I know I'm not alone there and you know a lot of people are proclaimed introverts. The thing is like I don't mind being with people and I talk very easily to them now. I was extremely, extremely shy when I was younger. And like most of us, you know, by the time you reach your 40s, you can't help but have been hurt by people. And I know that makes all of us pretty gun shy. But I'll just share with you what all that God has revealed. I'll also tell you, yeah, sorry this one has taken so long. I just did a lot of research and studying and reading on this because I just really wasn't quite sure if I felt even comfortable, but we're on a journey together on this, right? So he gave me so much. I wanted to do it justice. I even recorded this, edited it, which I've never gone all generally through the editing process and, and scrapped it. But I was like, you know, I felt I was a little too rambly and wordy and I know that happens from time to time. I apologize, but 
I didn't want to do it a disjustice because I felt like God gave me so much on this one. And I hope I don't lose any of the things that I had before, but I hope that I give it a little greater conciseness. That's going to be the plan. And uh, I'm just praying for his will on this. But I'll start with this image that he gave me. So one of the days that I was going to actually sit down and work on my notes for this particular episode, I was walking through the shop behind our house. You have to kind of go through it from to get through from the upstairs to the downstairs. You have to walk through. It's a little more than a garage. It's like a workshop. And in there, my husband has built kind of an experimental aquaponic system, which is supposed to kind of rely on fish to feed plants. But all the fish are dead right now, so it's not doing a whole lot. But I had set our little blueberry plant, our sad little blueberry plant in there. And when I walked by, I caught my eye, kind of laughed a little bit to myself. And then it hit me, or really, I'm sure God revealed to me how there was so much about community weirdly wrapped up in this blueberry plant. So this blueberry plant which is not much of a blueberry plant right now, it was a tiny sapling two years ago. I mean, like a, a twig in a in dirt. Our puppy at the time, she was small, she went over in the first month of having this blueberry plant. And I was even out there. She just like walks over and takes this huge bite out of it and pretty much chomped it down to nothing. It was just a tiny stump. And I was like, oh. And we had bought two because you're supposed to have two. One was I bought was a little bit bigger, but you're supposed to have two and they're supposed to be of a different kind. And the thing is too, we, we've had blueberry plants in the past. We had them when we lived in a very hot, hot climate. And, you know, try as I might, I just could not keep them alive in that hot of a climate. And so my husband's kind of like, this is your last chance on blueberry plants. I really actually, most people think I have a pretty green thumb, but uh, me and blueberry plants, I guess, just don't seem to get along. But I had taken this last little bit of this plant, put it in a pot more away where she couldn't reach it necessarily, at least at the time. She's a big puppy now. Um, I babied it and I just kept it away from her attacks. And we really suspected it was dead, but then one day it started to show life. I was so thrilled. I mean, it took a while and it started to grow and it took probably about a whole year for it to grow back to just being a twig. And I kept babying it and nurturing it and it started to be a pretty good size. Now it was nowhere near the size of the one that we had put in the ground, but, and I don't know why she left that one for the most part alone. But this one, she's had something against from day one. So I finally, you know, husband kept saying, I think it's going to do a lot better if you put it in the ground. I'm like, I know, I just don't want something to happen to it. So finally, I put it in the ground, and um, it definitely had been stunted by, you know, its isolation and not being, you know, in that foundational dirt and so forth. So I put it in the ground, and I put a cage around it, like a, a big tall wire cage and I tried to push it down to the ground and so forth and this thing started to really thrive and take off it was kind of exciting I'm like it it's catching up it's getting there and um, my husband I had a lot going on my husband was out of t- out, out of the country uh, for a couple of weeks and I just like it's just a lot more going on for myself and I walked outside and I was like oh 
oh no cage was knocked over and that blueberry plant was gone it wasn't as dug up or what it was gone i couldn't find it i looked all over i was so sad i was like man i just spent like two years building this thing up and it's uh it's gone my husband came back he wasn't out of town he wasn't back home for very long and he said i see that she got the blueberry plant i'm like yeah, I don't, I can't even find it. And he's like, it's in the driveway. What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, it is? He's like, yeah, it's just sitting in the middle of the driveway. And um, I guess it had been maybe covered up by a vehicle or something like that. And so when I had looked, and so I went and I grabbed it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think it's still alive. Uh, I mean, it was like almost bare root <laughs> laying out on the ground. And um I'm like, man, I, I don't want to leave it out here for our attack right now. So we put it, we found a pot um, and we took it inside and stuck it under the grow lights at the aquaponics system. And this is the things, I guess, that I felt that it revealed. There were so many parallels. One, we are often hurt or attacked even when we try to protect ourselves or we put up walls, cages, or fences. And we're still going to potentially get hurt. Two, God doesn't give up on us any more than I'm giving up on this blueberry plant. In fact, even less so. I mean, uh, I know a lot of you probably are like, give up and get a new blueberry plant. But I mean, who's to say it wouldn't get attacked again? But I I saw how God fight, fights for us in, in the way I'm fighting for this blueberry, blueberry plant. Three... We can't survive very long on our own. So if it was continued sitting out in the driveway, obviously it wouldn't have survived very long. Um, that complete isolation away from every person, including me who waters it, um, it wasn't going to make it. Four, if we want to thrive, we need to nurture our spirit like I nurtured the blueberry plant. Five, if we want to bear fruit, we need each other, just like those blueberry plants need to. At least. <laughs> so, and then another thought, you know, we, we are in a battle, like it or not, every day. And our our battle is not of flesh and blood. Our, our battle is of, you know, dark, <laughs> dark spirits and, and the enemy and things that come to steal, kill, and destroy in ways that we don't even recognize. So... You know, David, you know, he he sort of showed up by himself with him and just God. But all in all, uh, you know, against Goliath. But all in all, how well is it for us to show up to battle single-handedly? Not a lot of battles that would even be suggested to try and win single-handedly. So we think we're just going to privately overcome whatever it is. But we forget that we're going up against that enemy of darkness. And we go in defeated and discouraged and downtrodden and simply it keeps us from shining our light. Who really shows up to battle alone? We've got to stop trying to fight these battles by ourselves. In the Bible, one of the very first things that God says after creation, after creating man, it's so early in the Bible that he said it's not good for a man to be alone. How important must that be that that's one of the first issues he tackled? Probably pretty important. 
then Jesus, one of the first things that he did when it was time to start his ministry was he didn't necessarily just go out and start doing his thing. He went and found his people. He went and found his team. He gathered up 12 disciples. And yes, some of that was for other prophetic reasons and so forth. But he had to have his core. He had to have his team. I'm sure he had done fine without without that. But as always, I feel like the, one of the biggest purposes Jesus serves is to give us that model for the things that we should do to live our best life. So God showing us like you, he did go off at moments and have his alone time, but he kept his, his community around him. And, you know, and he, he would deal with those outside of the faith, but he kept himself connected to those that were, you know, walking in faith. Paul said in Hebrews 24 through 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. How funny it is that we probably have become less and less community oriented, not just as Christians, but as society, but um, still in general, like we get, we get less and less connected but that's the opposite of what Paul warned us to do is it should be more and more obviously we don't know when the day is actually going to be here but the day is approaching every day so every day we should be increasing not decreasing if that makes sense also spurring each other on toward love and good deeds I want to take a moment to share with you right here this image that God gave me this last weekend I was in church and he was kind of talking about, you know, sharing faith and so forth. But I kind of got this message that like sidetracked from what he was saying. And I really felt this one came straight from God. And it was such a great visual. Like I'm scrambling to write it in the side notes um, so that I don't lose what he's showing to me. So sometimes we feel like, and it's very normal, I can't go out and share my faith. And you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared for that. Like, um, it's a struggle. It's a strain. You like, we, you know, we rely on the Holy spirit and that's not wrong, but yet still in so many ways, we kind of have this backwards and it's kind of forced. Like we've, we're trying to pull something out of us and it's, it's not supposed to be quite like that. And so the image I caught, I um, I don't know how much experience you have with fire, but my husband and I have done like many campfires and that sort of things, and uh, he's he's quite the um, hiker and camper at least in its past. So he he's definitely mastered the art of he could build a fire in any circumstance. So you know, in a normal situation, I know that you know Smokey the Bear <laughs> or whatever might say differently, but in general, like lighting a match and just like throwing it on the ground isn't going to really start a fire and or even just taking a match like go get some wood and light a match stick it in your fireplace walk away and see if you have a fire you probably won't it takes more than that and so sometimes we kind of like think that we can just strike that match and we're able to share the gospel and we're good and that isn't the case for the most part there's some people who are very blessed with that 
but are they or are they do they have the other pieces in place so to really build a fire typically you're starting you know with the right hopefully dry ground and you're gathering dry wood you um, probably start with something like um, like they call it old man's beard or like some shavings from wood something dry fibrous small my husband uh i don't know what the epa would say about this but a dryer lint is a favorite of my husband's it's great to get going fast but it's not going to keep it going so then you add like the small sticks and that sort of stuff um and that that kind of helps it spread and then you get bigger bigger wood and so forth but you've got to feed and nurture this fire for it to become larger and larger you know if you stopped at a certain point you know you might get to where you are warming yourself but you're certainly not like gonna start a wildfire (laughs) and it takes it takes generally a lot more than that or at least the right conditions if that makes sense so yeah wildfires sometimes are started even by like a lightning bolt but all the right conditions are there and when we are let's just say like this and, and this is not picking on anyone this is not to condemn you but this is what was revealed to me and i felt like it was a great picture you going to just going to church every sunday is kind of like striking the match and then you know, reading your Bible, you're adding some kindling to it. Um, you know, going to a Bible study group, you know, it's, it, you're piling on more and more, but you're building the fire inside of you to the point where it cannot be contained. That this fire and the verse that came to my head, and I, I didn't even write this one down in my notes because I, I'm like, I'm going to misquote it. I know which one it is, but it's uh, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world, a city on the hill that cannot be hid. So if you think of a, a, a like all the lights in a city that's up on a hill, you're not going to miss it. And a fire that's burning inside of you, that's so hot and warm, it's beyond what you even need. It's going to be hard to not share it and not show it. And people are going to go, what's going on? Why is it different? So the fire, like spreading the gospel starts inside of you. And and you've kind of got to build that fire to the point where nothing's going to hold it back, if that makes sense. Hopefully that resonates with you, but all these things, including the community and spurring each other on towards love and good deeds, that is building that fire. And this, like, this is me talking to myself as much as you. We have to have that community, like it or not. But when you have a good community, you will like it. You will love it. In fact, recently... Um, we were talking in our Bible study group that meets via Zoom, and I was telling them how it just kind of came out. Like, I was struggling with something, and this other friend slash client has been struggling with something. And we had a mutual friend who who had um, who called me and was telling me how he you know he was reminding her you know, don't forget who the enemy is um the guy's also pretty funny so he's cracking me up but he's a man of faith and he's a strong christian and you know he's telling me basically what he's pouring into her but he's pouring into me at the same time then later i went on and encouraged her as well but i was like you know and even in this bible study group we become like a faith train where like we're one's pouring into another and to another and to another sometimes we're at a place where we're in the you know front of the train 
and sometimes we're barely holding on to the back but we all love that so much we all keep referencing we're on this like faith train and that's what community looks like that sometimes you're going to have good times and you're going to have bad times but you're carrying on together and you're doing life together and again you're spurring each other on towards love and good deeds um, James 5.16 says, make this your common practice. This is the message version. Confess your sins. I also wrote down faults <laughs> to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live lives together while healed. And, and I like that, like, not just doing life together. It tells us, like, we'll be healed because we're doing that. And, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I told the friend that called. I know he didn't know that I was struggling with something this day. It was very, very difficult. And I mean, I bawled that day, not that long before he called. And I'm not a crier. I mean, I might might cry once a year. I don't know, something's broken. I mean, I just don't cry. So it was a big deal. And I was just telling this guy, like, "You, you have no idea how much I needed your call today. And that's what it looks like sometimes. But it, it healed me and helped me feel better and helped me move forward and, and remember, you know, what the real enemy is. Also in the Bible study, we were talking, I don't think I might have mentioned it in, in the podcast, but uh, at least at some point, but we were reading Luke 5, 17 through 39, that whole story about the friends taking the guy who couldn't walk to Jesus they can't get into the room they lower him in through the roof and of course first of all <laughs> there in lies like a need for community right there because would that guy have made it to Jesus without his friends no but also you know so we were kind of talking about that and then it struck me that this part that says Jesus saw their faith he didn't just see the man who was being lowered down's faith. He saw a collaborative faith and told them all, you know, that they were forgiven, their sins were forgiven. And hey, yeah, by the way, get up and walk. But I, I didn't catch that before that it was their faith, a collaborative faith. And, and I think that shows like we're supposed to have like a group faith situation happening in our life, basically. And it's a lot easier to have a strong faith when you're being spurred on by your community. Okay, so Ecclesiastes 9 through 12. Also important. Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I've, I'm sure you've heard that at some point at a wedding. I know I have. And, you know, basically saying you need the man, the wife, and God in the midst to be really strong. And all that, you know, is, is true. But it's also saying that you know, we we are better together. We are better in unity. So there's a lot more to that than just being sad at a wedding, obviously. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you you're gonna you could get back up sometimes, but sometimes you can't. And God has put me in places that 
I couldn't do anything but rely on others. And I'm sure it was to, to get me to that place where, you know, a little more humble, a little less independent and realize that I'm capable of a lot of things, but there are still going to be times that I'm going to have to rely on others. And, you know, I, <laughs> I hate to say that it's like to break my spirit, but it had, I had to learn to bend. If we're not flexible, we break. And so like the, some of these things kind of happened pretty somewhat close together, but I would say definitely at the end, it did help me overcome that extreme independence basically. But one, of course I went through Katrina and, um, during that time we had to rely on other people. We had to rely on like my cousin's husband who we barely knew at the time, uh, had to get, or well, he didn't have to, he volunteered. He was very kind to do so, but I couldn't go help my husband get 12 trees off of our roof. So they packed up everything. Mind you, they had to bring all the gas that they would need with them. They weren't going to have cell service. They'd bring every food and water because there was not a single like fast food, anything convenience store that was open in several states several entire states and and bring all the chainsaws and everything they needed and honestly some protection because of the amount of gas and everything they did and the desperation they were very vulnerable so this guy we barely know even though he's married to my cousin it was like yeah i'll go down and i'll help and so he went down and helped and in the meantime we're staying you know, with at my aunt's house because we're displaced, and um, you know, people got me some attorney clothes because I had just recently found out I was pregnant, but I was already four months pregnant, didn't know it, and I also had just recently had a baby before that, so I, it wasn't taking me long. I had to rely on a lot of people during those times, like it or not. It wasn't very long after that that I ended up breaking my hand. <laughs> and I, I had accidentally, oh, I started to fall, something aftermath of Katrina, and I went to grab the door frame. It didn't get my hand open, and it basically just punched the door frame. Oh, and the pain was really bad. And I was like, I, I really had maybe broken my nose, but like, I really hadn't broken bones before that. But the way that this throbbed, I was like, I went to bed. I was like, maybe it'll feel better in the morning. Please don't be broken. Oh gosh, it was bad. And I woke up that morning, got the kids out because um, my stepson had to go to school. He was in kindergarten, I think. And um, so we wake him up, go get the baby. And of course, you go to grab a baby out of the crib, you use two hands, um, generally around their waist, um, at least at her size, because she was about six months at the time. And when I went to do that, the pain that shot from fingertip up to my neck, and I absolutely could not even will my arm <laughs> to pick her up. I was like, oh man, or at least with that hand, I was like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, I was, I had to like kind of finagle, uh, getting like my arm, one arm all the way around her and hold hugging her tight and, um, so that she was safe and then got her, I think into the, the stroller. We walked down to the bus, bus stop, got my stepson on the bus. And then I called the, the one and only friend cause we still were pretty new to living that area. And I told her, I was like, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, I need to go to the doctor. I think I broke my hand and I can't even like lift the baby and put her in the car seat or anything. 
And she's like, I'll be right there. And in the meantime, I let my mom know, because she's the closest person to me, nine hours away. And she basically was like, all right, I'm getting ready. I'm on standby. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really think you're probably going to have to come. But um, so we go to the doctor. I mean, I could not have done it without her. Although she did. We both were pregnant at the time. So she may have had the same pregnancy brain that I had struggles with sometimes. But she left. She dropped me off at home. I know she I think I had to get back too. But she, she didn't quite get me all the way in the door. So there I was standing outside like, oh, I've got to get her out. I did have a cast at least on at this point. But I was like, I've got to get her out of the car seat <laughs> she left before I got that and get her inside and you know I was like looking around like I can't walk off and get help I had neighbors right there but nobody's outside I can't walk off and get help and leave her in there and I'm uh, like God just help me get her <laughs> inside but I would have done anything to have somebody nearby that like a neighbor that I could have um, begged for help for a moment um, and then you know I did get her inside and then my mom came and helped me and I think even my mother-in-law had to come and help me you know it takes a little while for a bone to heal so um then uh after that you know we we had two babies my husband worked in the oil field and again family wasn't close by so you know I realized there were times like it was really hard to get groceries a lot of times uh, especially that our youngest was very young it was quite a challenge you know my daughter was 13 months barely when um, my son was born and so uh, everything was a challenge and I just had to be okay accepting some help I even had a time where I paused and thought well I know I'm not the only one that have had babies this close together and I know more modern times we tend to plan them a little bit more but when I thought about it Back in the day, you know, there's oftentimes the kid's grandma lived in the house and maybe great grandma might have lived down the road or basically there was a village that you could rely on to help you get through those times. And we've moved so far away from that village mentality that we don't have that to rely on. We have to more intentionally build a community. And then um, when I ruptured my desk, there were times I couldn't walk, I couldn't drive, I couldn't stand. And so there I was again, <laughs> all within probably like a five-year time frame, maybe maybe 10-year time frame, but, but having to rely on others. And it didn't kill me. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty independent. It is really hard for me. But the other people... <sighs> I mean, don't get too rely on this, but it does bless other people to bless you sometimes. So let go of feeling like a burden and and just know when to ask for help and know when to give help. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the bottom line is we need people. The Daniel Plan book was talking about how there was an Oxford research that showed that there was like an increased happy hormone and decreased pain when people worked out together. I thought that was kind of cool. The, there was also in this book, the Harvard physician discovered, like, they were kind of tested, like, what are the things that are going to affect our health the most? And of all the things they tried, it was relationships, love, and intimacy. And intimacy doesn't always, isn't like a spousal, that kind of relationship, but it has to be like meaningful conversation 
you know, exposing your, you know, your fears, your worries, your faults, being more vulnerable, basically. All those things impacted our health, they found, more than anything, which is pretty profound. Then I also talked about how the word that we use for fellowship most of the time, that's how it's been translated, was originally in koinonia. I think I said that right. And that was much bigger than just fellowship. It was, there's that word, those words again, love and intimacy and joyful participation in deep communication with one another and putting others' needs before your own. So that was what was intended for us, particularly as as Christians and so forth. And I don't think that's how, unfortunately, a lot of us are really living. I know that a lot of us are still going to struggle with jumping back into really, really devoted to community because inevitably, I'm sure you've been hurt at some point or you're you're chronically self-sufficient and independent or something along those lines. I'm sure there's a few that aren't. Congratulations. But I guarantee you've at least had some hurts or issues there. So, but I came down with, with a few reasons. And at first I had like, I kept going back and forth and like whittling these down more and more. But the two big reasons have to do with our lack of trust of others. Sometimes it started like in childhood, particularly, I think a lot of us have, you know, couldn't really rely on parents, couldn't really rely on certain adults. Somebody betrayed our trust really early. That's a big part of it sometimes. Sometimes it comes later and or, or it just keeps coming and you keep trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Inevitably, people hurt you. But also, the other side of it is we don't want to feel exposed or vulnerable, and that's a big one. I think that's why a lot of people tend to be introverted. You know, I was really looking for some ways to, I mean, besides the fact that the Bible says, like, we're still better together regardless, but I was truly trying to work through some ways of like, well, how, how do we deal with this? How do we get over that? What is What does the Bible say? And so forth. And I will say this. I was going to reach to this one verse that, you know, I'd always heard in a certain way. And thank goodness, you know, I did I did what I encourage you guys always to do is I read around it and did a little bit more reading. And I was like, oh, that one actually doesn't really in context mean what I thought, which is why I always say, you know, read. And and please, if, if I ever like misstep, it's completely unintentional and you can by sure call me out. I'll reread and pray and so forth about it and address it and we do need to give people who are willing to go and, and and share the gospel and share the message we do need to give them some grace and hopefully that they don't intend to deceive or anything like that but if they're kind of called out upon it and don't say anything and keep doing it there's definitely a problem but you know i encourage you to give grace and please let me know if i ever missed up because i was like oh i almost misstepped a little bit on that one but um the good thing was is that another verse that I read like this one phrase and I was like oh that's that's a good direction <laughs> let me let me read back up like I just said and read um, back a little bit and forward a little bit and read all around it and it turned out that I got this Romans 12 9 through 19 and I was like wow this is a lot about dealing with people and in so many ways I feel like 
you really break this down, and this is a lot, so this one's going to take some digesting. We were actually talking about it in our um, women's group about maybe printing it out, because um, I shared with them what I had found, and they were like, oh, yeah, that that's a lot. That's good, though. Um, but it's like a roadmap from the Bible of dealing with people. And so I'll read it, but I'll give you kind of my notes about it after the fact. And I didn't, couldn't come up with a better way because I don't want to bring it up too much the first time. So starting in verse 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so here are kind of my notes. So verse 9, stay away from the gossip, cling to the good, focus on the good, be sincere and honest. And when we're focused on the good, it's a lot easier to dismiss the bad. You know, I always kind of compare my mother and I, that we could be in the same room and let's just say like a church and I'll be like oh that message was so great oh I played my favorite song um you know whatever and she will be like oh it was it was too cold and the music was too loud (laughs) and we'll be in the same room and you know and it's a it's not that necessarily some of the things that she says maybe isn't true but it's just what she's focused on versus what I tend to be focused on so you're already going to be in a better place when you're really focusing on the good and you're just staying away from the gossip. I always tell my kids, you know, when you meet someone and I'm sure I've said it on here before, if you meet someone and they immediately talk about someone else when they leave, they're going to do the same to you. That's probably not someone to expose all of your vulnerability to, but there are people who aren't going to do that. Verse 10, being devoted to each other in love is pretty huge. And you could also read it as devoted to loving others, but being really devoted to that love, honoring others before yourself, don't build yourself up or worry about your appearance to build, but build other people up and just focus on loving others. And remember that others aren't perfect. Verse 11, don't lack zeal. You've got to stay pumped up. You've got to feed your fire. You've got to keep that cup filled with the Holy Spirit, church time, Bible time, prayer time, and serving the Lord. Sometimes you're going to breathe in the love of God and breathe out the love of God. Like with those difficult people, like a pipeline, just let it flow through you. Like I don't have the love to give to this person. So I'm just going to have to share, you know, God's love and so forth. But we can't pour into others if our cup is empty. So you've got to keep that cup filled. Verse 12, this is almost like a math equation for having community, being positive and joyful and hopeful, plus patient in the rough times, plus faithful prayer. 
and I think the prayer is really essential too because sometimes you're gonna have to keep feeling your, like is this my are these my people am I in the right place should I share you know God you know help me <laughs> and, and again not be so reliant even on yourself to find your your community verse 13 practice generosity and hospitality without thought of reward or kudos being a giver at some point in relationships is pretty important but also you know the hospitality part was something that i got a lot better about um at least being real and comfortable we talked about that actually recently and again in my bible study group i get a lot from them so i encourage you to find a group but the when we were building our house um it was a long time we built out of pocket and so there was a long time where if I was waiting for my house to look perfect, that wasn't going to happen. And us, I'm in luckily, not luckily, but luckily, I had recently lost my sister during the pro, during this building process, and realized like, man, life is short, and I don't want to wait to the end of this building process and miss time with people. And so, I, I got over it. <laughs> so, um, you know, if. I won't freak out if you stop over at my house. I'm like, well, it is what it is. I'm real, and I'll make you comfortable. I'll serve you food and and get you something to drink. And if you want to sit on the porch, we'll sit on the porch. And if you want to sit in the living room, we'll sit in the living room. But um, I got over it. And uh, I encourage you that not trying to put on an air of perfection. It's about generosity with your time and everything. And, and just not work, like focus on loving others. Bless those that aren't so nice or worse. And also don't curse them. So don't walk around wishing something bad to happen to them or something like that. So be careful of that, that we're warned not to do that. Verse 15, rejoice when it's time to rejoice and mourn when it's time to mourn and, and basically do it together. Verse 16, focus on harmony. This one made me pause a little bit, and I even like went and was like kind of reading the definition of harmony because this one stuck out a little bit too. Is if you think about think about acapella group, they're not made of the same voice. You have to have the the tenor and the alto and the bass, and I don't remember all the rest, but you have to have the different voices. And it's not that they're all the same; it's that they blend well together. And so it's about blending and harmonizing, letting go of pride, which is honestly a lot of hurt, quote unquote, issues come from a stem of pride. So you gotta let go of, don't worry about status, don't worry about positions of others, lots of humility and setting aside your feelings and opinions. (laughs) Verse 17, don't participate in vengeance or paying one bad deed for another. Plus, do what is right basically all the time for everyone. And that, we know, is a challenge. We're never going to be able to do it all on our own power, of course. Verse 18, live at peace with everyone. And I just made a note that sometimes living at peace doesn't mean living together with them. Sometimes it's putting aside pride and, and working through things. And sometimes it is like basically giving that person space. So there's certain people that, you know, will prove to you over and over again, they can't be trusted. They shouldn't be relied on. They're manipulative. They bring nothing but hurt. And we go, you know, even if you say, I love you, but I can't be around you right now. I need some space or something like that. Or, you know, 
could be worse. Like my father and I honestly cannot really communicate. It's, it's bad. And, um, you know, I've, I've told myself I don't hold hate or anything like that. I just, if you crack the door, it's immediate manipulation and just all kinds of stuff. Um, it's, it's endless. But if you go back to the forgiveness episode, that part of what we're supposed to do is you don't have to like forgiveness doesn't always mean that you just let it go, but it, it means that you're open to reconciliation when they really tried to be, you know, really tried to change. There's true repentance. They're truly making changes. And, and again, they're not going to be perfect because people are never going to be perfect, but that if there's true repentance, then we are supposed to have the heart of, of being open to reconciliation. But sometimes that living at peace is, it just means that you're not together. So I suggest when you're in that situation, you're going to have to pray through it. And verse 19 is letting God fight your battles. The battles are for God, not for us. So Abraham and Lot were just a fantastic example of, of some of this too. There's a story I don't know why I didn't write it down where it's at, but it's not real far in Genesis, basically. But they are having an issue with their sheep, you know, grazing on each other's land, and they're starting to be a little strife among all the shepherds. And um, Abraham's like, look, let's just not let this come between us. I think at the time, maybe he was still Abram at the time, I think, but let us not let this come between us after all we're family and so forth and he's like hey i tell you what let's split the land we'll you know we'll each go our kind of own ways so that we don't have this fighting anymore and i'll give you first choice and of course lot was like well i want the better land because he was a kind of a taker but abraham was also be getting from god and so he was able to give willingly to Lot and he didn't grumble that that Lot he didn't whine he didn't complain he didn't sit there and be a martyr about it he was like I told you you could get first pick you got first pick and God will bless me and let it go and move on and that is a fantastic example of of how we're supposed to deal with people the big thing when it comes to hurts and and offenses and so forth is why what is truly going on is there ill intent was it on accident so when you've got ill intent, it's back to the thing of letting people go, possibly, or letting God take the vengeance, move on, um, work on forgiveness in your own heart. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. Then if it was absent-minded or accident, they just really didn't mean anything, then we really need to work on giving grace as Christians and becoming a mature Christian. <laughs> it was the reason for the hurt really related to pride. Is this a time where you're needing to practice humility? What offended you? Why did it offend you? Should you really be? Are you being stubborn? Are you being judgmental? Are you being self-centered? Are you not being Christ-like? This is not judgment from me to you. This is for you to seek yourself. Pray, talk to God, and let him reveal what needs to be revealed. Is this an attack against you? Like, do you have reasons to be even truly fearful? Or is this innocent? Like, am I really hurt? Or, you know, did it hurt my pride? Is this person trying to hurt me? Um, Or was it completely an accident? When you face a hurt, 
go back to those verses and just pray through it. I can't encourage you enough. And when we're building relationships, we've got to pray. We've got to learn to listen and observe more than we talk. We've got to, you know, offer, offer to get together, offer to show up and actually show up. We've got to show up in relationships. You're going to have givers and takers like Abram a lot, but it shouldn't, you shouldn't always be the giver and you shouldn't always be the taker. There's going to be times in your relationships where like you'll have this one friend that you're always giving to and another one you're always taking from. And, and that can be okay for a time, but there should be seasons to it basically. So just keep that in check. And, um, cause I, I, I think I tend to be the giver and I do probably tend to attract the takers, but and, and sometimes it really doesn't bother me, but there's times where it kind of becomes like manipulation and other things. So, I mean, just be aware as, again, if you're the giver and you've got a taker and they're like, you know, not at the spiritual place that you are, you know, you may have to go, you know, uh, it's okay. <laughs> God, will, God will take care of me so I can take care of them and, and that's all right. Um, but sometimes that person's not going to grow if they are always taking. So that's all I'm going to say about that, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I haven't abandoned the writing your story. And I wrote down this example. I have a strong community of Christian people who share a mutual compassion, generosity, and encouragement. I listen to others, not just waiting for a pause. I am careful to only share insight when asked and not just insert opinions that are unwarranted or uninvited. I am generous with time and other resources. I open my home and my heart. I pray through hurts and practice patience and love. I lay down my pride at the feet of Jesus daily and pick up the cross daily. I seek God's wisdom in building and maintaining relationships. I am there when others are hurting. I accept help from others. I continually build the community no matter what. Again, if you miss the other writing your stories, this is a saying in taking all that we just like talked about and learned and read in scripture and so forth and saying at the end of my life, what would I want to be said about community as a part of my life? And some of it is there. Most of the time when we write this down, it's not going to all be there. And that is perfectly normal and okay. But then what we do is we write down some things that serve that story. And so here's some of those. I look for opportunities to build a community instead of staying in my bubble. I keep a prayer list for people. I pray for the community daily. I practice better listening. I invite people over or to go to places. I go to more events and community groups and so forth, especially church. I really focus and observe people more. And then you have things that don't serve that story. We don't focus on a lot of this, but it's just little reminders. Turning down invites, speaking more than I listen, being easily offended, being too independent, lumping everyone together into the same categories, judging too quickly, not sharing, not being vulnerable, putting up walls, fences, etc. Now, side note that there are boundaries. Boundaries are different than walls. There's a boundary episode. And if you're somebody who continuously gets hurt in a relationship, I encourage you to read that too, because there's a lot to be said for healthy boundaries. And I remind my daughter of that all the time. 
I encourage you to think and pray of what God tells you that, you know, what he wants your story to be in that. That's just an example for you. It's my example. Is it perfect? No. Is it something I might add to? Quite likely. Then, as a reminder, I encourage you at least a few times a week. Sometimes I do only get this done mentally and then I try to write it down at least some of the time. But take the time to focus only on the things that you did that serve your story. And again, that is to help you really identify with that new story and to reinforce like, hey, I am doing those things. And it just does something deeply psychological to focus on what you did right. So here was actually, (laughs) I took multiple days that were focused on like the things I did for community and I kind of put them all in this one, uh, one note for you guys. Rather than having a Zoom meeting with an associate, I took the time to leave my office, go have coffee and have a more leisurely conversation. I pushed outside of my comfort zone and sent a link and information for my women's group to a friend who I felt really needed it. It just so happened at the same time, she was headed to the ER with her husband and really needed some encouraging words. So I listened to that prompting and I acted upon it. I looked into some additional networking and Bible study groups in my area. Just happened I reached out to one. I was like, I need some local too because I the other's great, but I felt convicted. I also needed some more local and, um, weirdly I didn't even know it, but the signups were like happening like that weekend anyhow. So funny how God's timing always is. I scheduled and made big efforts and a time to visit a friend. I haven't seen in a long time. Another crazy thing that had happened. I haven't seen this friend in a long time. And so during this whole thing with community, of course, that's when she reached out and said, what do you think about coming for a visit? And of course, I'm like, because I tend to be like, well, I've got this going on and that going on. This would be kind of hard. And because I was really all in this, I was like, I think God's telling me I'm supposed to go. <laughs> so I don't think I can say no. I'm just going to make it work. And um, also, I've paused my to-do list to help my mom with some things she really needed guidance on. She had come over well, she asked to come over and I was like, well, my husband's coming home. He's been gone for two weeks and I was going to clean all day and just got to like have the house warm and inviting for him. But yeah, that's fine. I mean, she doesn't do a whole lot. She won't go anywhere. She won't do anything fun. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, just understand I'm going to probably getting some stuff done. But then when she came over, I asked her some questions like about what was going on with her health insurance and realized I needed to kind of work through some things. So I just put everything on pause and sat down with her. I made that more important. And I still got done when I needed to get done. Did I work a lot later that day? Yeah. Did I die? No. <laughs> so, um, again, this is, this is not a bragging thing in any way. Cause you know, it's all about humility for sure. But this is taking a time to reflect on like, Hey, I did these things right. And I just want you to know what, and, and that those things serve the story that I want it to be. And I want you to start to like relate and see how to kind of do that so I hope that this was I think this was a lot more concise than I originally started with I hope I didn't miss anything that was really important like I said there was so much good that he gave me I'll put like the books that I referenced and the verses and so forth in the show notes as always if this 
podcast, like I have been saying, has helped you, spoke to you in any way, I ask that you do take the time. One review, somebody recently left a review that just touched me so much. You have no idea how much it meant. And you don't have to say much, but at least, you know, hey, if you give us five stars, that helps just more people hear us. And if more people hear it, then hopefully they're getting the messages that God intended them to hear. It helps them find us. So, um, you know, you can share, subscribe, um, like any of those things are going to help us reach more people. I don't care if one person is the only one that hears it. I don't feel like that's what God wants, though. I feel like he's giving me stuff that I wish I had heard so many years ago. And so I I pray that this reaches you and hopefully somebody else who really, really needs it. I do still want to grow a online community for the Habits and Hope podcast so that you have a resource. You have someone who you can reach out and ask to pray through things with and so forth. Well, I encourage you to find your local group. I also want you to have a group like that. I apparently am not great at that kind of thing. So if you have some ideas or you have a plan or you would like to take that on, hey, I'm totally open. So have us in hope at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to me and we will make it happen. <laughs> so um, if that's where God leads you, just let me know. Other than that, have a very blessed week find your community, love people, and I will be praying for you.